Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Well, well, well. Matt Meany presiding on the boards. So that means we have no music leading. Uh, that's true. Uh, Chris, uh, I've inherited overnight. And so I've been uh, pimp slapping him around because his <laughs> music, he was definitely special ed. But uh, I was hearing you moaning and groaning about back pain. Yes, sir. Which a lot of people suffer from, whether they're left, right, uh, <laughs> in the middle, apolitical, Democrats, Republicans. In fact, remember Mario Cuomo would actually say that his back pain prevented him from staying anywhere overnight. That's why he would fly back to Albany no matter where he was. If he was giving a speech in Iowa, he'd fly back. He had to be in his own bed. He had to have his own special chair. And back pain is no doubt is debilitating. And, and, and don't forget the history of back pain with John Kennedy. You know, there were a lot of times that it was alleged that he his back pain was so severe that he was had really invasive medication going through his system at a time where he had to make to make decisions. But I have a remedy for you. It's oh, excellent. The remedy of the heartland of America, introduced to me by my father, Chester, merchant mariner, 54 years, grew up in Chicago, worked on a farm, worked in construction, putting up the A-frames for barns in Iowa prefabs, first ever done, with his uh, father, my grandfather, Anton, and his brothers, Leonard, Smitty, and Ernie. Don's pills. Don's pills. I remember those. What, what, what are they? It is the traditional American uh, middle-of-the-road remedy. I remember these. So they, they used to advertise all the time. That you can actually get them, Anthony. Uh, it's one of the few things that is no longer under lock and key. <laughs> At CBS, Walgreens, Dwayne Reed, uh, you can actually get Don's right. pills. Anybody from the Midwest will tell you that was in everybody's medicine cabinet. And you got nothing to lose. Totally. No, so you're exactly right. I When you open up my medicine cabinet uh, at the apartment, it's got Dome pills, big box of Dome pills, which I'll use from time to time. Uh, the remedy that I gave our colleague Sid, who lost his voice, you know why? Because he pranked his own mother, Naomi. Now, I don't have to tell you, <laughs> out of all the mothers out there, you never prank your mother, but amongst Jews and Italians... That is unforgivable. That is udiscraziata. That is a shanda on this most powerful station in America. I, I don't know what overcame City decided to do what they do on FM, you know, do prank calls to his own mother. His team was laughing like jackals and hyenas. The moment she realized that she had been pranked, Naomi, up in the Catskills, right. they had convinced her she could be on a cover of the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated. She was more than happy since Martha Stewart was doing right, one, right. and she's 82. 
from that moment on, his voice deteriorated to the point where yesterday, 6.45 in the morning, his voice was gone. I had to jump in. Emergency I substitute. Heard that. I heard that. And he has lost his voice, maybe permanently, because of the curse of the Maluk. Italian grandmothers and mothers were so offended by what he did to his own uh, mother, Naomi. Although, as you know, Jewish and Italian mothers would forgive you if you did a drive-by shooting of nuns praying in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral. Yeah. They always uh, say the best things about their sons. Is there something you can do on the Jewish side? Maybe your mother. Look, I think it, is, it goes without saying you don't want to prank your mom. It's also, I'm starting to think there's some connection. You know, my dad, he's in intensive care at, at, at Methodist Hospital. I think there's a little bit of sympathy pain maybe that I'm doing. But as importantly, you, know, you see you've got a medicine cabinet full of things. I hope you have your cold compress. I hope you have your your scar healing stuff. I mean, when you get into the ring, you're going to need you, – do you have a cut man? Of course. My cut man is Peter King, who, as you know, will open my cut even more. <laughs> exactly. Because we're enemies. He's a Eric Adams Republican, but he's my cut man. Hell yeah, you'll – You'll tap gloves in the middle already. Peter will be yelling, you want me to cut you? You want me to cut you? Exactly. No, I'm fine. I'm exactly. fine. <laughs> He'll make me bleed out. <laughs> What's the scene from Rocky? Cut me. Cut right, me. Right. But I felt like I was cut yesterday. Now, I've been in this business, this thing of ours, for 35 years. Longer than most. And there was a Talkers magazine convention at Hofstra University, the Flying Dutchman. They invited everybody from WABC, people here I didn't even know who worked here. Uh-huh. You know, they had them on panel discussions. They were honoring them, letting them be give big speeches because you're with a number one station in America again. And I didn't even get wolf tickets. I got nothing. I got Ugats. I got bupkis. You know, all kidding aside, you, you, you're you probably knocking on the door of a Radio Hall of Fame situation, aren't you? Not, no. Talkers Magazine won't even recognize me as being like in the minor leagues, like on JV. How do you have all these people know. flying in from everywhere? You're in the heart of WABC country. Even Matt Meany was invited. He's, called, he's a program director. I understand that. But me? I've done more hours than almost anybody else, especially this plus, past plus year. Plus, it's a New York event. You know, I mean, who's, who's more New York talk than you? Well, the guy who's the press, the CEO, Michael Harrison, you know how he got his start? He was at Martin's Paints. And he was behind the counter with a microphone talking about all the sales, you know, the three-for-one sales. He even tells that story. I mean, I patronized him. I listened to that story. Now, Everybody this, else walked away. Is this away. an influential organization, Talkers? Is that the magazine? Of course. Talk, yeah. It's the Bible of talk radio. Wow. And I wasn't even t- tendered an invitation. Nothing. Meantime, who did they have lecturing about overnight radio but the Mama Luke Frank Marano? No. Yes. Yes. Shonda. And Sidney would have been there if not for the fact that he pranked his mother and now he's struggling. Oh, you want to, speaking about invitations that got lost in the mail. The mayor, he has a big to-do for all the Yishkite, all of the, all of the Jewish leadership. And the, I didn't get invited. Of course you didn't. What do you mean, of course I didn't? Me and, me and Adam's supposed to be thick as thieves. Hold so on. Hold on. Let me tell you something. Because you don't kiss his ass. The only people under the tent at Gracie Mansion... Uh, there was Rabbi Joe Potashnik. His yeah. lips were sealed on Eric Adams Tukas. And on the other uh, the other cheek, it was Sid Rosenberg, styling and profiling, you know, yeah. his Joseph Abood mm-hmm. wardrobe. And that's what he was kicking so back with the So you think that's man. the mistake just because I, I, I won't, won't 
you know, I'm not in, in no, the tank for him? No, because you would have said to him, now hold on, you give a speech at CCNY. After they turn their back on you that very same day, before that, back in September, they were having hearings in city council about this, led by Ina Vernikov, who was blowing whistles like CCNY is a cauldron of anti-Semitism. The chancellor was called. He refused to show up. Eric Adams could have put up, picked up the phone and said, you must attend. You must give testimony at city council. And he would never meet with Ina Vernikov. By the way, Ina Vernikov was not there either. She was with me in Brighton Beach well, can campaigning. I, can I, you know, I got a different take on this. This is a college campus. Of course, you're going to have people saying wacky things. That's what you have college campuses for. What is with this idea that, you, that everyone like won't let anyone talk unless they agree with them? I disagree. This person's an idiot. She's an idiot. She's she sound, she's anti semite She's anti police. She's anti everything. I believe, but she's a, a speaker at a college. That's where you have idiots. That's where people are trained to get up and say what you think and learn and try to get it right. They're not going to get it right every time. You, people, I'm sorry, you want to defund the college because you got some knucklehead who has a different position than you? Hold on a second. It's not the students. The students can say whatever they want. They're gone. It's graduation day. She was the commencement speaker chosen by her fellow students. It was a 12-minute presentation. Yeah. Fatima Musa Muhammad, who's actually said worse things. <laughs> you, you should go on uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin's no. Twitter and, and see I what she said I don't care what she said. She's of no consequence. Okay, but if you're the dean of the law school, yeah. Suda Seti, and you are being paid by the city of New York, us, the taxpayers, and you are promoting this. And no, no, hold on. Stop right there. He's not promoting this. She He's is, running yes. a college where you teach people different stuff, and they form opinions, and some of them you're not going to like. Yeah, but as a professor, you can introduce people to different concepts. She was hired as a professor, the dean of the law school. Her role, she says. Well, who, who are you talking about now? Not the, not the, no, Suda Seti, who is the dean oh, okay. of the law school. Uh-huh. She obviously is there. She's a tenured professor. Very similar to, remember, years ago, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, right. tenured professor, CCNY. Who is he related to again? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, who can't seem to remember that. <laughs> he can remember the words to Biggie Small songs and recite them from the well of the house. But when he was confronted, like, you did an op-ed piece in Bingington at SUNY. In favor of Dr. Leonard Jeffries and Scooby Louis Farrakhan, and you gave a speech following that in support of them. Well, you know, he was having his Joe Biden moment. I well, I can't seem to remember. You know, that. you know, Curtis, this is what's wrong with America right now. You have college campuses inviting people. Conservatives are getting shouted down. Liberals, you want to cut them funds because we disagree with them. This is college campuses is where you go. If if someone ever dug up. The essays I wrote in my economics classes at Plattsburgh State University. Oh, please, please, let's like, dig them up. I mean, you know, redistribution of wealth wasn't enough for me. Hold I mean, on you know. a second. You said you went there to play hockey. Now we find out that all of a sudden you were studying Karl Marx and Engels' Das Kapital. Let's, let's just say that there's some things there that would not be very popular uh, mm. uh, if I were to talk about them today. But we've got to, we've got to realize that this is exactly what college is supposed to do. They're supposed to get people who say things and other people who rebut those things, and then we have arguments about them. Right now, everywhere you go, everyone is saying, let's just cancel, shut these people up. No, you listen to them and then you prove them wrong. Okay. We have a problem. There's anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiment among left kids in this country is a real problem for us. 
It's a real problem. It's they amongst have, left and right. But it's mostly left, yes, unfortunately. But it's also, I, well, I run into quite a few people on the fringe on the right I know, but who the have right, these screwy, I, I know, the, anti-Semitic ideas. No, I get it. But that right anti-Semitism comes from a different place than this. This is, comes from this place, the idea that Israel is an apartheid state. They have turned the story of David and Goliath on their head. They think that the Palestinians are the underdog when it's really Israel who's surrounded by 20 countries exactly. that are at war with her. Okay. We didn't do a good job educating this woman or she. We disagree with her. But it's going to happen. We're going to have people giving speeches at CUNY graduations and CUNY classes. Now, do I want to have teachers hired to teach about the Middle East who are virulently anti-Israel, who have turned history on its head? No. But I recognize the idea that there are people that we have to persuade on this stuff, and it doesn't mean shutting down these conversations. Fine. But this dean of the law school, Suda Seti, has encouraged this, says her job is to create justice warriors. And when you have the dean encourage it, now the dean could be sitting there. They don't have to applaud. She was applauding this. She was all for toots. There's a difference. How many times have there been commencement addresses that rubbed the faculty and administration the wrong way and they sat there silently like the United States Supreme Court justices do yeah. during the State of the Union address? So you upset someone clapped. No, no, it wasn't just some people. Okay. <laughs> it was the faculty and the dean what on about, the stage. What about the, there was a graduation speaker who was, I think, the head of the new Time Warner, um, the Time Warner Discovery guy, and, and he had taken positions a lot of people didn't like, and he got booed down and couldn't finish. My, my whole thing is you can open up a newspaper any day of the week and find someone speaking on a college campus and being shut down because people didn't want to hear them because they were controversial. You're supposed to have controversial people. Now, if you want to judge Eric Adams on this, judge him by what he said about it when he found out about it. When he found out about it, he said this was horrible. I, sh- I, I think it's, it's outrageous, and, and, and I, 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 I would have booed if I was there. That's basically what All he right. said. But the fact is he has power to do things. He won't even take the first step. Let's go back to when Rudy had just become mayor. Here you have a tenured professor, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, far more infamous than Suda Seti or anybody else we can mention from the City University campus. Remember, he was on with uh, Donahue. He was on with uh, uh, on uh, ABC, Ted Koppel. He was everywhere explaining his theory of the ice people and the sun people. You know, the ice people were evil, that's you right, and me. Right, right. Uh, the sun people were people with melanin who were superior. And he go on and on. So Herman Badil, who actually graduated CCNY, he had come over from Puerto Rico as an orphan. He was raised by his aunt. He was a building superintendent to support himself. This was when City University, if you had the right marks, uh, you could get in without having to pay uh, uh, tuition. That, that's when my mom and dad went to Brooklyn College. Right. He did exceedingly well, and he was the president of the Board of Trustees. And so he wanted to remove Dr. Lenny Jeffries. Now, Rudy said, okay, but you know he's going to tie us up in the courts. It's going to cost a lot of money. Herman said, we need to do it. They went. They fired him. Then it went through a series of court decisions. They had to keep Dr. Leonard Jeffries. It worked its way all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, and Dr. Leonard Jeffries was fired. This is what you do. You can't just give a speech. You have to take some action. you got to take action. Okay. If this person, if this dean has a record like that, that she's promoting anti-Semitic things— you know, there are other side. There are more than one side. You know, I'm a, I'm a strident Zionist. I, I'm very pro-Israel. I know there are other sides, and you have to have these debates. You have to have these discussions. My only point is that if there's ever going to be a place that it's okay to have a jerk saying dumb things, 
it's at a college graduation. Let me ask you a question. Tomorrow, we're going to listen to um, Rabbi Joe Pictashnik and Reverend A.R. Bernard, right? You know, the Rev and the Reb. Right. And he's going to be talking about the Support to Israel Day Parade, which will be a few hours later, starting at 11 on Fifth Avenue. Um, I, 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 how about inviting Fatima Musa Muhammad to march with them in support of the state of Israel, right? <laughs> no, she's going to be the, one of those 12 people that's on the other side that protests that every year the TV's put on as if it's an equal number of people. By the way, like there that. is a Hasidic group that oh, yeah, steals right. the show on the, on the, the side of the, uh, actually, of the uh, right where General Sherman is. You know, before you pass correct, the park. Correct. They're all lined up there. But there's not that many of them. But whenever they show them on TV, it's like, but there are alternative voices also. They hate the state of Israel. They don't believe in the state of Israel. And they have sided up with the haters of Israel from the Ayatollahs in Iran to, at the time, Yasser Arafat, who spoke with forked tongue. Anyway, up next, we've got to discuss the whales, the demise of the whales, all up and down the Jersey Shore from Cape May out to the furthest point, Montauk, in Long Island. And uh, our governors, our Democratic governors, don't want to seem to address it. We'll break it down for you up next. It's left versus right. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lee. And remember, in the bullpen, warming up Rob Astorino, who has been so ahead of the curve on the illegals being brought in to New York City and New York not State. Not illegals. Of course they are. They didn't even sign up for asylum yet. Right here on your place to be, WABC. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. The left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. You know who this song is by Anthony Bobby Darren, who uh, went to Bronx High School of Science. Did he really? He's from the Bronx. He had to take the specialty test. We'll talk about that later on. But Bobby Darren, out by the sea. Now, did you ever see whales frolicking out in the uh, ocean and in the sea? Every once, every once in a while, like every once in a while, you'll see a lone one. And uh, you know, uh, they used to. You know, I used to represent Rockaway, so I spent a lot of time in there. And there were people who, like, said, "All right, here's the time that they, they might show up. Here's the water temperature that they might show up." But it was never a regular thing. It was a very special thing when they did. And then dolphins also. Dolphins too, right. And uh, unfortunately, they've been dying and then rolling ashore carcasses. They get taken uh, out for uh, a necropsy to determine the cause of death. And now we're in a situation where there are so many, two more. Now, are they beaching themselves or is this a different thing? Sometimes they're floating out in the, the ocean. Sometimes they're beached like... The two most recent humpback whales, one was in Raritan Bay, right off of Staten Island, and the other one was out in the east end of Long Island, uh, which is as you work your way to Southampton and Montauk. So you have two governors, both governors, Democrats, both have promoted windmills offshore, six miles offshore, creating energy. I'm for that. I'm for green energy. I, I depart 
from uh, many of my colleagues here who want to continue to just burn fossil fuel. In the meantime, the temperature of Mother Earth keeps going up and up. But there is a correlation here, and it doesn't have to be perceived them through a political lens. We've got these whales, these magnificent creatures, these mammals, dying, and nobody seems to know the reason. It's not like it's some avian flu that is now all of a sudden affecting whales and dolphins. It's clearly what most people think, that their divining rod, which keeps them out of harm's way, keeps them out of the path of ships, keeps them uh, out of the path of these large, uh, as you know, these windmills, which are way offshore, six miles offshore, but they can do a lot of damage if the whale or the dolphin cannot navigate around them or avoid them. And there is this perception of some who study this that uh, this throws off their divining rod, A, number one, because they need sonar to find locations on the ocean's uh, bottom in order to implant these huge towers, because you, you have to drive into the yeah, ocean floor. It's a big piece of infrastructure. Then you got to use dynamite charges in order to create the ability to go deep into the ocean floor surface. And ever since they've been doing this, there are two contracts. Up and down the Jersey Shore, Murphy's administration have contracted uh, uh, a Swedish company to do it. And off the South Shore, Long Island, uh, which uh, involves Nassau and Suffolk, Kathy Hochul's administration has had contracts with a Norwegian firm. So they're moving ahead. Now, all we're asking, animal lovers, is hold on. There might be a correlation. How about we take a time out? You know, take a few months out. Don't do any more drilling and blasting on the, uh, the bottom of the ocean. Don't use your sonar any longer. Keep the windmills up that you already have up and let them operate. But let's study this because this has not happened before. And the waters are cleaner yeah, than that, ever no, before. But, but that's, first of all, you say there's a correlation. We don't know if there's a cause. Correlation is not necessarily a cause. I mean, let's, let's remember something. The waters that these, these animals are swimming in are much cleaner than they've ever been because of the Clean ever. Water Act. And I don't think a lot of New Yorkers, a lot of Americans give that credit. It's a bipartisan Clean Water Act. It's really worked. It's By clean, the way, they've waters. been seen swimming up the Hudson. Right. Which probably hasn't occurred since the Dutch came over well, and but, went up the Hudson River. But there's a lot of things that are going on with all forms of creatures because of climate change. You know, the problem with, the, the, with this is you know, blaming it on the windmills is there are windmills all over the world now that are out into the water that they're not having these problems with. I mean, it might have nothing to do with the windmills. It might be. The problem is, I don't know how you study such a thing. Well, you take a time out. You bring in experts. You look at the necropsies that have been done of those that have perished, the whales and the dolphins. There's plenty to look at. You sit down for a few months. You just take a time out. I know, but it doesn't... It's Murphy not... says absolutely... You know what Murphy reminds me of? We went over this last week. You were running for mayor at the time, 2013. You were at a bipartisan uh, debate uh, discussion with our own John Katsimatidis, right. who was trying to win the Republican primary, Joe Loder, who was trying to win the Republican primary. You told a story that the questionnaire said, what would you have done when the, cats were, the cat was out on the tracks and, you know, the subway was barreling down on the cats. You said, of course, stop the trains. Let's try to rescue the cats. Likewise, John Katsimides 
Katz Matidis, who actually ran on a platform of no-kill shelters first ever. And Joe Lotus said, hey, I'd be Choo Choo Charlie the engineer, yeah. and I'd run that cat over. This is the same thing. Take the time it out, could Murphy. Be. It could be. You know, I just think that it's there's so many variables in what's going on in the environment. You can be sitting for a year. It just could be a coincidence that these things are going up at the same time. Now, so far, everything I have read doesn't seem like these whales are showing any phys- sign of physical strife. It doesn't seem like they don't have big slices or cuts or bruises on them. I mean, something is happening. Now, remember, there is this big mystery whale of whales beaching themselves often. Like there's something that sometimes goes wrong with their their whatever, their sonar. I'm not sure what it is. This could be a, a, a cause. I, I can see a, an administration saying, wait a minute, we're here trying to do something to improve the environment. Well, let me give an example, a comparison. You know me every year I would do my picks, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. For the Triple Crown. Right. Starts Kentucky Derby, Churchill Downs, Pimlico outside of Baltimore, and then finishes right here, Belmont Stakes, the longest of the three races. I have said I am never going to a horse race again. I'm not going to the backstretch. I'm not going to do predictions with what has happened at Churchill Downs. Did you see that they suspended racing? Yeah, and they put together a committee. They said, let's take a timeout. Twelve of the top thoroughbreds in good shape died either in their stalls or on the the turf and i know what it is they're juicing up these horses the purses are enormous it's just like athletes like aroid remember aroid no yeah, no yeah. I, I didn't use anything and then later on he capitulated can and i say you've looked at this more than i have are other are they finding other creatures that are dying because of this i mean are the other other horses yes in no, no no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the whales i mean are i mean there's, there are other fish that are dolphins better? And dolphins, and we know how smart the dolphins are. We know how smart the whales are. But I would just say, just like at Churchill Downs. I mean, we have a lot of boat traffic around here. I mean, it could be anything. Absolutely right. But you take a few months off, just like they are at Churchill Downs, suspended racing. Because they realize this could be the death of the racing industry. The death. Because now it's not just animal lovers any longer. It's like people like myself who followed horse racing since I was a kid saying, I know what goes on. I know how they juice the horses. You know, they had something called milkshaking, in which the day before they put a tube down the horse's mouth at aqueduct, and they put baking soda in their stomach because it agitates. That's a a natural way of doing it. That's considered illegal. What I'm talking about are these potent drugs that athletes have always tried to get ahead of the curve, and many of them, look, in wrestling, WWF, WWE, dying at young ages. And all these horses, all of a sudden, collapsing on the track. And, you know, it's not like you can fix their leg. 99% when they fall and they fracture their leg, they break their leg. It's not like you and me. But is something new happening now? Is there a new chemical that people are being They're introduced? They're always trying to stay ahead of it. So something, the, something is going on, Look, right? put it this way. For the sperm of a horse that has a pedigree, and they don't even have to procreate with a filly, like, uh, you know, in this uh, the steed with the filly. Right. You extract the sperm from them, and Saudis and Kuwaitis and American horsemen and English horsemen will bid on that sperm millions of dollars really? to try to get winners. Remember, this is just the sperm in the Petri dish. But they're going based on lineage, and the purses keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And look, it was brought to my attention the other week. When the, when the horses come around uh, two-thirds of the way, and they're in the home stretch— a caller said, oh, Curtis, you know they're whipping that horse. They're whipping them. They're trying to whip them to the finish line. 
And I said to myself, that's right. What the hell are they whipping the horse for? I understand you're trying to beat the hell out of the horse to get him to run faster. But it's now, look, as somebody who grew up watching horse racing, who had degenerate uncles, you know, who would take out uh, uh, loans from organized crime because they couldn't stop themselves and then have their leg bent into their pocket. I did the whole opening scene of Fear City uh, on Netflix, which was all about that, as I was sitting in the barber chair explaining it. I can't even go to a horse Let race Let me ask anymore. you this. You know how when you look at an athlete today and you compare them with an athlete in 1950, they look completely different. Yes. You know, they're stacked, they're bigger. Is it the same with horses? If you look at a horse today and a horse from like 25 years ago, do they look physically different? They're much bigger. And remember, their legs have not gotten bigger. You know, like the Clydesdale, it's a big horse, right? By the way, the Clydesdales, nobody wants them at fairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're saying if they're carrying kegs of Bud Light, we don't yeah. want them in our parades. Any, tr- any we transsexual. Don't want them at fairs. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But. The point B, you could see that's a workhorse. Big legs, big body. The thoroughbreds have been developed. They're having bigger bodies, but it's the same piano legs. So when that leg just fractures or breaks, it's followed by an ambulance when they're on the track. The moment the horse goes down, they bring cover out. They cover the horse and usually euthanize them right there. And then they have a winch and they pull them right into the ambulance and wheel them away. They're dead. And they did that recently in a preliminary race at Churchill Downs. And they were playing while this horse was dying on the track. Some people saw it. They were playing Tupac's California rap song. It's like people were saying, come on. And you know how they love horses in Kentucky, the bluegrass state. So when Kentucky starts shutting the horse industry, which is its lifeline, other than uh, pot, which is its number one crop now, not tobacco any longer, then you know things have gotten very serious. All right, so let's take a break and on the windmills, and let's figure out what's going on with the whales. Let's take a break on horse racing. Let's find out what's going on. And let's take a break on left versus right. Not bad, huh? I'm a pro. is the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Yo, this is more my flow, Anthony Weiner. More my flow. That's why we had to assign Chris uh, to the backup squad. He's learning uh, overnights now. Had to smack him around last <laughs> night between 12 and 6, although he was getting better as uh, I took people to the break of dawn. But now, you took this specialty test to get into Brooklyn Tech. Obviously, John Katsimatidis did. You look at the alumni group uh, that has annual meetings. And look, Jumani Williams, as much as I don't like him, the public advocate, he went to Brooklyn Tech. A number of noted black, Hispanic, Asians, whites went to Brooklyn Tech. They now have women going. It used to be a very integrated school. Not so much anymore. And so these specialty tests, they had the results. And uh, the Asians are just dominant, 53%. Less and less white people were going uh, to the public schools in general. I think they were at 17%. Hispanics were like at 11 But African Americans remained at like 5 to 7%. So now you know it's going to go back to what Bill de Blasio was advocating. No specialty tests. There have to be other considerations 
Uh, and basically, we got to cap Asians because they're doing so well. Pretty much the same movement to try to cap Jews uh, from uh, dominating uh, in the entry uh, into these specialty high schools. Let me see if I remember. Because we have Bronx High School of Science. That's where Bobby Darren went. Brooklyn Tech, Stuyvesant, uh, Staten Island Tech, I think towns in uh, on the Queens I College. Think they, they consider Hunter one. Hunter has its own test. Hunter, right? Yeah, they have their own test. I mean, I have to have a little story before we get into the substance. of This. So I took the test. I had a tutor. It was a very big deal in my household to get into Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant is the holy grail. And by the way, as a policy matter, I think having these Gold Coast aspirational schools that are better is good for the system. You always want to have you, – you, you know, we have to realize we're always concerned about the bottom tier and making sure that they, they do well, and I agree with that. But also making sure middle-class parents stay in the system because they have something to shoot for. And for my family, it was to get into Stuyvesant. I took the test. I missed getting to Stuyvesant by one point. And by the time you get the results back, you had to decide what school you were going to go to. And so I didn't have a seat anywhere. Now, I did put down Brooklyn Tech as my, as my second choice. Wound up going to Brooklyn Tech. But my dad, who's, you know, he's probably listening. Hope he's doing well over there at the hospital. My dad went down to the Board of Ed and litigated because I went to summer school at Washington Irving High School around Union Square. Wait, those were all girls. Was it <laughs> in the normal school year? No, oh, oh, really? Well, no, but that was for for people like me who were right on the bubble. Yes, you can take. I don't think it exists anymore. You can take a test to kind of get over the hump. No air conditioning. Right. Oh, you were schwitzing. House of pain. House right. of pain. And and when I got done with school, I went to something called the Doral Hotel, which doesn't exist anymore on Lexington Avenue. And I was. Oh yes, a, it I does. A, it's probably housing migrants. Yeah, exactly. And I was a busboy over there. Anyway, long story short, I finished the summer school in the, and the board of says we still don't want him at, at Stuyvesant. My dad argued with them. They said, all right, we'll let him in. I was already at Tech for a day. And I said, you know, I already had my first crush. I got my first books. I had my prefect. So I want to go into Tech. I want to tell you this idea of trying to take away the test or to try to make it more of an egalitarian ever like every other school. Now, you're wrong about one thing. The idea is not to cap Asians. What they're saying is we only get, what, 6% African-Americans, maybe even less. Yeah, between the 5 to 7%. Right. The idea is to try to integrate it a little bit more and figure out why some people are not performing as well. And I am all for doing anything possible. I, you know, paying for, for Kaplan the, the prep for them, whatever it takes, to get a more integrated well, school. I, blame, don't, I, I wouldn't get away with the test. I blame Bloomberg for this because I talk to African-Americans and Hispanics who passed the test. I said, when you went to junior high school, did you go to SP? He said, yes. We had very few children in SP, maybe eight. I went uh, to SP. Right. I went to SP also. Well, you probably did a hell of a lot better than I did. I'll give you my story about special tests. But anyway, they used to have SP classes even in poorly performing junior right. high schools, even if only eight or six children qualified. But that gave them a leg up. Right. So they would have advanced courses. They were a bit ostracized, you know, like you always were in the SP class, you know, brainiacs, uh, smart asses, you know, all that. But the point was, you find out when you go back and you talk to blacks and Hispanics, what was your entry point? Luckily, I qualified for an SP in my neighborhood junior high school. And then I was able to take that test and perform well. Now, I will tell you what happened with me as a special hard case. I was going to Builder C Junior High School. I went into the three-year SP, not the two-year. Oh, you know, remember, you avoid one year. You're really, like, uh, in the fast lane. 30th, first year, seventh grade, I was doing really well. 
Eighth grade, I discovered girls, and I put down my uh, baseball mitt. I used to sleep with my baseball mitt, you know, make sure it had a pocket year-round. And all of a sudden, my grades plummeted. My mother said, Curtis, look at these grades. Oh, my God. We got to take John Sexton up on the opportunity he gave to you years ago when you would sit here at the table in the, uh, you know, the breakfast table in the kitchen and John Sexton was the debate coach for my sister, Alita, and the girls who went to St. Brendan's, which was in Sheepshead Bay. John Sexton had been this stellar graduate of Brooklyn Prep. He taught there. And he said to my mother, you know, years from now, you may want to get Curtis into Brooklyn Prep, specialty Jesuit high school. Call me. And she did. I had to take a specialty test. They normally didn't do it for a public school kid because I had no legacy. Right. I didn't know anybody went to Brooklyn Prep except for John Sexton. I took the first test. And John says to me, man, you really failed. So my mother said, you know, uh, my uncle uh, failed his entry at Ellis Island with a mastoid ear infection. They sent him back to Andrea in Italy. They wouldn't let you in. Curtis, you're going to say you had a mastoid ear infection. (laughs) I said, Mom, what the hell is a mastoid ear infection? She said that. They gave me a second test. I failed miserably because I wasn't focused on my studies. So John Sexton pulled every chit he had. We sat down with the headmaster, Jack Alexander, and the prefect of discipline who hated me. And Jack Alexander used to smoke those uh, Chesterfield unfilters. Remember, back then you could smoke in a meeting. He went, John, I'm letting Curtis in because of you. Francis, I'm letting him in because of John Sexton. But I have a feeling he's going to be on the outside looking in. First year, I was doing great. Second year, third year. Fourth year, I'm student government president. And there was the tradition of wearing jackets and ties. We took a plebiscite, right? Democracy prevails. The students voted not to wear jackets and ties. Jack Alexander, still a headmaster, pulled me in. He goes, I'm going to do you a favor for John Sexton. We never do this. We expel people. We love to expel people. I'm going to give you a chance. Stop now. You went to Brown, right? You have an opportunity at a half scholarship to Brown. Stop it now. I said, uh, all of a sudden, there was a sign up in the student bulletin board. I walk in. Curtis Lee was no longer president of the student body. <laughs> Not a problem. Remember, I grew up in the generation, don't trust anybody over 30. They would have the Berrigan brothers come in and talk about the anti-war effort. So I organized underground. They found out about it. One day I walk in. Curtis Lee was no longer a student at Brooklyn Prep. The prefect of discipline who hated me, loathed me, despised me, marched me to my locker, told me, clean out everything in my locker, walk through that door, and don't ever look you back. You were a senior? I was a senior. So this, you weren't going to graduate? You weren't, they weren't going to let you graduate? That, no. Kick me out. They transferred uh, my paperwork to Canarsie. You know, they said, they'll think you're a gangbanger, you know, a drug dealer. We'll let them know. It was none of that. <laughs> uh, they'll probably be shocked at the reason we're kicking you out in the senior year. And, you know, I expected all the students, right? It was an all-boys school. We're going to walk out and stop that. You know they wouldn't even look they at me. They rolled over. <laughs> they wouldn't even look at me. It was like I was a leper in a leper colony. <laughs> Only one guy bothered to call me at home weeks after. I think it was John Scaramucci. No, no, it's not Scaramucci. Oh, my God, I hate Scaramucci. Uh, forget John, John Scola. One of those guys. Everybody else avoided me. And you know it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I recognized there were consequences for your actions. If you walked a gangplank and you didn't come out on top, the sharks were going to eat you up. Then I went out. I started uh, 
packing shelves at an AMP, uh, uh, pumping gas uh, at a shell right. station, and, and never if, look back. But if we bring this back to, to this specialized school problem, what, what de Blasio wanted to do, and I don't know what Adam's position is, de Blasio would do is kind of like, since the test is not working out so well from our perspective, we're, getting, we're not getting much diversity, we're getting a lot of Asians, or we're going to change the way to get in and consider things beside the test. And it's being seen in the Asian community as like, wait a minute, I don't, we don't mind you making it easier for someone else. We can compete. But de facto, what you're going to be doing is having fewer of us. And that's where this gets complicated. But I do think having the test, the pressure of the test, the preparation for the test, and also the, the lack of subjectivity that the test brings. Like, you know, think about how much controversy there would be if suddenly one day the stats started to change because it was a different mayor. People were going to say, all right, they, they're rigging this thing. It's not on the level. But I think we've got. I think it really is a danger that we can lose the specialized schools if we start not doing a test at but all. But think about it. Back when you were going to school, specialized schools, they had more minorities who qualified in every one of these schools, especially Brooklyn Tech. I remember seeing the kids. Uh, where you had your compass, which was like a, a switchblade. They allowed you to carry a compass, a sharpened compass. You had the yeah. T-bar. We With the, the, the T-square, we had right, all right. of this stuff. All these weapons that you were our, permitted our, to our carry. Homeroom t- our homeroom table was this big drafting table. You know, that, that was our a classroom but table. But let's face it. When you had to run for the G-chain through Fort Greene at that time, that was tough. You needed those weapons to protect had, yourself. Well, I had to walk through Fort Greene over to DeKalb to get the B-41 right. bus. And uh, oh, actually, the 67 bus. And that three or four blocks, I might have got mugged ten times in my in because my... they knew the time that you guys were being and let out. And it was a funnel, <laughs> and you had to go together. It was tribal. You had to go together with twenty of the young men together. Yeah, but you had an interracial group at that time. Now you don't. Well, you do. You just had. You just, then we would ha- we had we had whites, largely Puerto Ricans, before the Dominicans right. started to show right. up. Uh, you and you, you had a, you had Asian, mostly Chinese American, yeah. I think. Um, at, but now the the Asian community has gotten ahead the old fashioned way. They said, "Listen, we're going to use education as our pathway," and they have you know they, they're not gaming the system. They're now, taking the same test we are. You know, I spent a lot of time in the Asian community. I was the first Republican candidate for mayor to win the Asian vote, and as I would go door knocking because I don't speak Mandarin or Cantonese. On almost every poll, there were those slips you can pull off for tutoring after school. Yeah. Advertising, tutoring. The Asian parents, although they work hard and they gamble hard, always put money aside for the kids, mostly, not everyone, to tutor the kids. You got to do that. You have to. Now, if you're coming from a dysfunctional home where you can barely make ends meet, then there have to be black organizations, Hispanic organizations that sponsor tutoring after school to elevate kids I think that's who right. have an opportunity. I think that that is the way to do it. And by the way, the same way, you know, the Jewish community as a smaller community has outkicked our coverage is that education was this incredibly motivating thing. You know, we got to go to school, got to motivate, got to got to get good grades, got to go to good colleges and everything else and that all when the amount of pressure put on me to get into Stuyvesant. I mean, I didn't know from Stuyvesant. Tech worked out fine for me. I didn't know from Stuyvesant. But the idea of making and, – and, and I can't stress this enough. One of the things de Blasio did that I really disagreed with was this idea is we need egalitarian distribution of everything in the school system. Everyone has to be equally kind of meh. Instead, I think it's good to have these schools 
that people can say, you know, the Board of Ed in New York City is not so great. But if I work hard and I hustle and I and I and I take a test, I can get into that specialized elementary school or I can get into that music program or I can get into Stuyvesant. I think that that makes it less likely that that the middle class parent moves and goes into the suburbs. So I went in the 60s and the Jewish uh, kids just I mean, they, they were at it where the Asian kids are now. But we used to say amongst one another because we get it from home. Yeah. You know why they're doing so well? It's all Jewish teachers. <laughs> they have a signal. They pull their ear. They know the name. It's like they're going to take care of their own. That was the prevailing anti-Semitism that dominated discussion when a Gentile kid wouldn't make the grade, you know, didn't pass the qualifying test. And parents would say, you see, the Jews control the system. It's rigged. Yeah. And, and, Jewish and, teachers, Jewish and administration, Jewish and, kids. And you heard that out. And you heard that out loud in 1968 or whenever it was when they had the, the big strikes and the Albert Shanker and everything That's else. That's right. That was always the Fran Wiener was part of that school system for 33 years. Ocean Hill, Brownsville. I'll never forget. My father made me go to PS 114 and sit there with all the black kids who were terrified. And you know what? My cousins were screaming at me. Through the gated uh, window, you're an end lover. You're an end lover. And I said, why did my father do this to me? And the teacher was singing Joe Hill. You know, he was one of these socialists. He was loving this black and white together, kumbaya. And I'm saying, oh, my God. How am I going to get home? These kids, they'll put on a bus to go back to Brownsville. I got to walk to my house. (laughs) These Supreme Cougines are going to kill me because they're calling me an end lover. So now you know the rest of the story. The Paul Harvey, uh, Anthony Weiner, Curtis Sliwa story about the special elite test to get you into the elite public schools exclusively here on WABC. So, uh, no funny business. Are you already Left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. I was born a shotgun in my hands. Yeah, that was my cousin Lenny Beans Bianchino staring out of the upstairs apartment at 89th and J because he had the BP, the Plymouth. Uh, oh, is it the Plymouth? The... Fury? No, not the Fury. Beep, 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 whatever the hell. And he'd sleep with a sawed-off shotgun in his lap because the Tesla brothers would come around stealing cars to order. And they ended up stealing that car of his three times. <laughs> three times. Well, did he go get it back? Well, uh, he had to end up negotiating for it back, but they did it. Just because they wanted to show you they could. They knew he was sitting up there with a sort of... But they'd look in the picture mirror, and they'd see that Lenny would fall asleep. And they could hotwire a car in three minutes. You know, it didn't have all the extensive technology. What the hell was that car? Beep, beep. Beep, beep. The, I'll find out. Hold there's on. There's the Dodge Dart. Right. And then there's the Plymouth version of it. That right, right. Of. The Plymouth. It'll come. Sure Roadrunner. The... Roadrunner. Road Road right, right. Yes. Plymouth Roadrunner. He, and he had it all tricked out. Three times the Tesla brothers robbed it. But anyway. This budget discussion, raising the budget, the deficit, all this stuff. In the city. I think nobody understands what went on with Joe Biden and McCarthy and the back oh, that, and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You certainly were privy to that when you served in the House. 
I don't think I could find a man or a woman on the street who understands what was going on. And yet it was the lead story every day. It seemed like what I called the chicken dance. You do your dance and then eventually resolve it and you move on. And still, the debt is going to continue to grow. There's no way this debt is not going to continue right. to grow. And by the way, and this is going to seem a little unusual, but a growing debt is not necessarily a bad thing for us because that means that more and more people are holding a stake in the United States, meaning the Chinese, the Saudis, and everything else. They're buying our T-bills. That means they're invested in how we do. They know they're going to get paid back. Sure, it's a safe place for them to put their money. But the, the, the strange thing about this whole fight is that the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution says that debts incurred by the United States shall not be questioned. There, you can make a pretty good argument, and Biden's tiptoed up to this line, didn't actually do it. I think he should have. I did a podcast about this um, on The Middle Unplugged that kind of laid out what they should have done. What it really comes down to is that the Republicans in the House don't have a lot of leverage. And this was a moment that there was, this was a must-pass kind of thing to do. And so, you know, I'm going to say this, you're going to sound like I'm judging it, but they held it hostage. And they got some some minor budget cuts in the years in the year to come, in the years to come. They got some concessions for it. They didn't get a lot, but they got a little bit. They wouldn't have gotten it if they hadn't done this strategy. I think McCarthy did much better than Biden did in that in that Biden says, I'm not going to negotiate, and he wound up having to negotiate. And I also think that anytime McCarthy's able to pass something, even though it was with Democratic votes, it shows that they can get something done. Now, is it re- how relevant is it to our daily lives, the percentages that they're going to be cutting? Like they did some things like they put work requirements for food stamps. It's already work requirements for food stamps. They added it for different people. They did some minor things around the edges on on the non-defense budget that will be cut a little bit in the year to come. It's not the end of the world. I think it's largely smoke and mirrors. But you're right about the thing that you said, which is this is this brinksmanship that goes on every couple of years. We It, it could have happened under Trump. But no one ever made a fight over Donald Trump because the Republicans had a Republican president, so they just passed, they just extended the debt limit. I think what is going to happen in the future is Joe Biden is going to say, I unilaterally declare we must pay our bills because it's in the Constitution. Someone may go sue about it, but ultimately I think it's a constitutional requirement for Congress to do. But everyone came out with a little bit of something. Now, the hard right Republicans who wanted to gut the budget and wanted to shut down the government, they're disappointed. But I, I, I think that McCarthy was probably right to push those people away. And yet Trump said default. And he said that before. Yeah. You know, as a business guy, he goes, look, you can't pay it. You're not going to go yeah, lose everything. Just default. What are they going to do to you? What could they do to us? Well, it's not what they could do. It's we we have the benefit that everyone wants to wants to buy our T-bills. We don't have to go buy someone else's currency when we're borrowing money. We have our own. We print our own money. That's called being the reserve currency of the world. That's a huge advantage. Every country wants that. And what would happen is if we weren't the reserve currency, people would flee and try to to to, to, to put their money somewhere else. Well, I'm surprised that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, didn't suggest that everybody invest in Bitcoin. Remember how he was talking about that early on? Yeah. Is he still getting paid in Bitcoin? Uh, no. He had three payments. You remember, he gets paid every two weeks. And that discussion ended when the Bitcoin industry completely collapsed. Yeah, yeah. Nobody seems to ask him that anymore. Yeah. Hey, whatever happened? How's you, your Bitcoin investment doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's the future uh, of the way we're going to transact business. Guess what? Not. Up next, Rob Astorino. He's been on point. 
on all these immigration issues. He was the one who interviewed Ed Day in Rockland County. Remember when he said, I'm going to have a temporary restraining order. Eric Adams is not sending the migrants to Rockland County. I'll reach out and I'll strangle him. And boy, it's been intense ever since.